All right, we'll, we'll see what comes forth this morning because the Lord's at least changed part of what I was going to talk about. So, um, let me pull this up. Yeah. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. So um, if you've been, you know, just the, even catching headlines, you know that there's a lot of turmoil happening in uh, Israel and Palestine. And before this, it, the bombing and the, and the fighting started happening, a couple of weeks ago, God told me to read in Romans 11. And Romans 11 is about it's part of God's plan and, and what's, what's it going to look like in the end times for the Jewish people, all right? And so I was reading, and I'm going to go to that scripture. This is Romans 11, verses 11 through 12. This is the Passion Translation. It says, so am I saying that Israel stumbled so badly that they will never get back up? Certainly not. Rather, it was because of their stumble that salvation now extends to all the non-Jewish people in order to make Israel jealous and desire the very things that God has freely given them. So if all the world is being greatly enriched through their failure and through their fall, great spiritual wealth is given to the non-Jewish people, imagine how much more will Israel's awakening bring to us all. And so when Israel has their great awakening, which is going to happen. It's going to release, it's, it's, there's going to be like a, a nuclear bomb in the, in the spirit that's going to like affect the whole world. It's going to go from Jerusalem. And we're going to look at Isaiah 40, what, what, how Israel is going to preach the good news to the rest of the world from Zion. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And so, so this is, so Paul's talking about, it's like, God hasn't given up on the Jewish people. Now, I want to make this clear. You have to believe that Jesus is the Messiah to be saved. That's for anybody. You're not saved because you're Jewish. Paul said that. He's like, listen, just because you call Father Abraham your father doesn't mean you're in God's family. You have to live like Abraham did. You got to live by faith. And so, but God, Israel I want you to, like, God's not cold towards Israel. Jesus looked out over Jerusalem. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I wish I were like a, a mother hen, and I would gather you under my wings and care for you, but you would have none of it. So, like, the heart of God for the Jewish people is huge. He, and I believe it's either, it's, it might be Zechariah, but he, he says that they are the apple of his eye. Now, what's cool is under the blood of Christ, all those covenant promises get, are given to us as believers 
in Jesus Christ. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. He's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, all right? So the promises that God made to Israel, we get to partake of those because we, it says in Romans 11 that we're like a wild olive shoot that got grafted in to the olive tree. And then and Paul later on goes to say, now, you can take, like, in, he, in that God pruned some of the, the olive branches, which would be Israel, put a wild olive branch, grafted it in. Has anybody ever grafted a tree together? You literally cut a notch in the tree, <laughs> stick the branch in there, and tie it together. But he says, but, it's, but if the wild olive branch will take to the tree, how much more will the original branch take to the tree? And so God told me to read Romans 11, and then I come across a, a Lou Engle video. It's about praying for the salvation of Israel. And he gave a word by, from this woman named Christy Brent, who is the wife of um, the guy, his first name is leaving. Do you, you know circuit rider guy's name? Anyways, his last name's Brent. But he's started Circuit Riders, which is a branch of YWAM, if you're familiar with that. But anyway, she, in 2008, she gave a prophetic word, 2008, that this would be a sign that the, it, the, the Jewish nation would be ready <laughs> for salvation. Said there would be a worldwide pandemic. There would be economic uh, calamity. There would be social upheaval. A president would be silenced. And I can't remember the fifth one. All right. But those, if you just had those four, <laughs> that, would be en- and that would be enough, right? And so all of those have come, come to pass. And so we look at here it is. Let's see here. So what is Israel's role in end time harvest? Paul goes on to say, for if their temporary rejection released the reconciling power of, the, of grace into the world, what will happen when Israel is reinstated and reconciled to God? It will unleash resurrection power throughout the whole earth. And so I even, even in seminary, there was a class that kind of dismissed um, Israel's role, I mean, the, the professor basically was like, listen, it's just whoever believes in Jesus, that's who is part of, that's who his people are. And he's right to a degree. It's just that Israel, God hasn't forgotten Israel, the nation's role in the end time saga. And so, you don't uh, what God says that He's going to do. He's going to do, and so Paul's talking about the Jewish nation here. And I want you, I want us to look at Isaiah chapter forty. And so, as Christians, like, what what should our attitude be towards Israel, the Jewish people? Like, how are we to approach this? And and for a lot of the time that I've been a Christian, I've always supported Israel. But I can't say I've, already, I've had this burning heart for Israel. And, like, you know, Phil and Jesse, they've really felt connected to the Jewish people. And we've done um, amazing 
feasts. You know, we've done Passover seders. We've done Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths, and learned a lot about those things over the years. But whenever I got this Romans 11, it was like quickened in my heart. It's like, God, the, the Jewish people, like they're a key part of what's happening in the earth right now. And so I got this word. I go to staff meeting, or I, I, the, the, the Lou Engle script, excuse me, the Lou Engle video comes across my path. That was the second confirmation. I go to staff meeting. I'm sharing with Megan the, the scripture the Lord gave me, and she said, the Lord told me to read Romans 11 this morning. And so it was confirmed three times within, you know, three hours, and so I started diving into it. But the Lord's also had me in Isaiah chapter 40. And this whole chapter, I think, is really, it's not the only chapter, but it's definitely a, a chapter for this season. Isaiah chapter 40. And so if you'll turn there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through it. Like I said, I don't really, I'm totally going out of what I had planned, but we'll see what happens. So comfort, oh comfort, my people, says your God. So right there, stop. God's telling us to comfort Israel, to seek the comfort of Israel. Now, everything that's going on right now in the Middle East, there's innocent people caught in the middle of all that, right? And so we're, we're not saying to, to support Israel has to be at the expense of Palestinians. God wants Palestinians to know the Lord as well. But there's a terrorist organization that uses women and children to hide behind and launches missiles at Israel. They're supported by Iran and other countries that support terrorism. And so that's just the facts of it is you have a terrorist organization hiding behind Palestinians because they hate Israel. All right. So, speak kindly to Jerusalem. Call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And so, right here, we're to, we're to speak kindly to Jerusalem. We're to, we're to bless Jerusalem. We're to bless Israel. We're to pray for Israel. Speak kindly. And we're even to pray and, and preach when we have the opportunity. Say, Lord, I pray that Israel would know that their iniquity has been removed by the blood of Jesus. That they don't have to offer sacrifices anymore. They don't have to have the Day of Atonement anymore. The Day of Atonement was on the cross of Calgary. And so, speak kindly to Jerusalem. A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. So when kings would come into nations back in ancient times, if, if you're like, listen, big shot king over here, he's coming to visit. So we want to put a, make a good impression. So we don't want him traveling on our scraggly roads. Let's go make a road for them. And so they would clear it of all debris, any high places. They would make low, any low places they'd lift it up. So he just had a straight road to come into the nation on, 
to welcome him and be like, you're welcome here, king. And so this is what Isaiah is talking about, is that we clear the way for the Lord. We lift up every, every valley. We bring down every mountain. We make it as plain and as easy to understand as possible. Jesus Christ is king. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. We prepare the way, and you plow it by sowing the seed, right? You, you plow, you sow the seed, and then there's a harvest. Your words prepare the way. Your prayers prepare the way. You're, saying, you're sharing the gospel prepares the way. Blessing prepares the way. Then it says, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So Jesus is actually coming back to Jerusalem. <laughs> and he's coming and he's making, it's a parade. But it's a war parade. He will be marching from the Kidron Valley up to Jerusalem, which is between uh, Sinai and I can't remember the other mountain. All my geography is leaving me. But he, he will be marching through the Kidron Valley. And it says the nations are going to assemble against him to make war against him. And he's going to slay them with the sword of his mouth. There's going to be a great war when Jesus returns. And it says, one of, it says that in Isaiah 63, who is this coming up out of Edom, dressed in robes, dipped in blood? It's because he's slaying his enemies. It's the day of justice. It's the day of justice. It's the day of judgment. It's the day when Jesus wrongs the rights. I mean, rights the wrongs. And so he, those that oppose Jesus, they're going to assemble. Of course, this could be like a year-long study on the end times. I'm just giving you stuff here. And so... Jesus, it says, the glory of the Lord. So you have Jesus in his glorified body, King of kings, Lord of lords, on the white horse, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, a rod of iron which to rule the nations and strike them down. Tommy was even praying it. It says on his, th on his robe and on his thigh, this name is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. Jesus came the first time as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. So we go on, verse 6. A voice says, call out. And then he answered, what shall I call out? This is part of the end time message, if not the main end time message, other than Jesus is returning. All flesh is grass. All flesh is grass, and all loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So he's saying this. This is the message. Don't trust in any material thing. Don't trust in your flesh. Don't trust in the things that are temporary. Don't trust in your big houses. You know, Proverbs says a man's wealth is like a fortress for him. He starts trusting that that's the protection. If, you ha if we've, I've, I've said this before, but I, I guess it's worth saying again because it keeps popping up. If we haven't realized anything, 
that the world, if we have not realized that the world is very fragile, just, it was like this. I mean, all it took was this on one thing. Boop. And then like the whole structure almost fell apart, right? Colonial pipeline. What if we don't have gas? Real quick, like things start breaking down. You know what I'm saying? Like, so everything is very fragile. All of it's passing away. But the one thing you can stand on is the word of God. You got be- to believe that God will actually leave manna on your front porch if there's no gas in the country or something like that. And I don't, I'm not a doomsday guy. I don't like painting these horrible scenarios. But I'm just telling you, like, in the end times and, and when, when God's releasing, this, breaking the seals and, and blowing the trumpets in Revelation, it's, a, it's kind of a mirror image of the Exodus plagues. And the people of God were over in the land of Goshen while the plagues hit Egypt, right? They were protected and they were provided for. And I believe the same is going to be true. It's going to, we're going to be affected by the things of the world, but, but there's going to be a, a supernatural provision for God's people. But you got to be able to say, if the gas lines dry up, if the food dries up, if I can't get anywhere, God's going to provide. You have to, you need to start settling that in your heart right now. You do not need to fear death. We have to, and it's, it's one of those things that's it's easier said than done, right? Because your flesh is involved. But you ask the Lord, say, God, bring my flesh to death. Bring my flesh to death. Second uh, Corinthians 4, we suffer death daily for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal body. So every time your flesh dies, Jesus lives. <laughs> He's expressed through you, so that's what we want. All right. Try to, we'll see where we'll get. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion. Bearer of good news, lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem. Bearer of good news, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. So here's the picture of Jewish people in Jerusalem preaching the gospel from Jerusalem to the Middle East. And think about this. This would be like Muslims saying, Muhammad was wrong. Jesus is the Son of God. Imagine like the, the effects that that would have worldwide. Like if the major imams just said, we, it's wrong, it's all wrong. Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> And so you have Jews are going to be preaching. We've gotten it wrong. Jesus, the Messiah, has already come, and he's coming again. They're going to be preaching the good news from Jerusalem to the rest of the world. And imagine people is like, you, wait, you've been stubborn for thousands of years. And now millions of you are coming to Jesus. Do you understand? If you ponder that for a moment, you're going to realize, like, that's huge. That changes the world. Right? Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. So Jesus is coming with his reward, and his justice is going before him to lead the way. Verse 11, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. This is what I'm talking about, Goshen. 
In his arm he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? So Isaiah goes on. He's just, he starts talking about how majestic God is. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or, or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding? Who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Guys, whenever uh, the news cycle's pretty negative and they're painting scary pictures, remember verse 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. A speck of dust. On the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn. Lebanon was known for its trees, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Jesus reigns, Jesus is king. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman cast it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and the silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. So what, do, what are idols? Idols are things that we can control and manipulate. <laughs> Other places, Isaiah 44, Psalm 115, talks about idols. It says, you know, one guy, he chops down a tree. He uses half of it for the fire. Then the other half, he makes an idol and bows down before it and says, behold my God. When you know I'm just going to put it this way. When you know you're serving an idol when a spirit of stupid has gotten upon you. I've been, I've, 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 I've had idols and probably still have some, you know, but I'm just saying it makes you stupid. Isaiah in Psalm 115, it says, those who worship idols become like them, deaf, dumb, and mute. But what we do is because we like control. Control started in the garden when we say, God, we know better than you. We know what's good and evil. We're going to decide what it is. That's when it started. And so from now on, we've been constructing idols, and they look like all kinds of different things. But it's what we make, and it's what we can control. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Verse 21, has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted. Scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. 
when he merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. <laughs> he calls all the stars by name. Every single one. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? This is what happens sometimes when our timing is different from God's. God, where's the justice? When are you going to make things right? I can't think of a government on the earth that has righteous government. Like, that's not corrupt in some way, right? The high places are corrupt. And even as we were, we were worshiping this morning, the Lord was reminding me about what he told Gideon about build an altar on top of the stronghold. Build an altar of worship on top of the stronghold. And I'm telling you, God has made it so simple for us. He's like, guys, all you need to do to take the land is worship me on the stronghold. And I'm talking about literally worship. <laughs> God chooses the weak, the weak things to confound the wise. He takes weak things like hidden prayer, like praying in your closet to change the world. He takes weak things like you giving a word to somebody at Babies or Us in Fort Worth, Texas. You say, God thinks you're special. And then the cashier starts crying. She says, I don't feel very special. My baby's daddy just left me. God thinks you're special. That sounds like a weak word, right? Not very specific. But when it's God, it changes lives. Do you not know and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might. He increases power. Though youth grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, and it's talking about there's lots of strong people in the world. Get on social media and you'll see everybody talking about their strengths. But God is saying, I use those who know the weak. Even this morning, I was just praying. I just, I just saw myself like bending. And I was just like, bend me, God. Bend me. I want to be bent. And so I'm just like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting sick of me. <laughs> bend me. Like, when are you going to come and, like, blast me? Like, like the, at the Isle of Patmos. Like, when is, I want that. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And I preached on that a couple 
weeks ago. So what should we as Christians do for Israel and Jerusalem? We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the Jews' eyes to be opened. We pray blessings upon Israel. We proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people, and we support them in their statehood. Psalm 122, 6-9 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be within you. Check out this last verse. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. For the sake of the kingdom of God, seek Israel's good. For the sake of the kingdom of God, seek Israel's good. And also, I want to say again, listen, there's believers in Iran, Jordan, Syria, Palestine, every Middle Eastern country, God's got a remnant. And he wants more sons and daughters. And he's, he's moving in the Middle East. So when we say support Israel, it doesn't mean you can't support what God's doing in other countries. But Israel has a specific role to play in the end times. That's just the way God chose it. He says right here, who's going to counsel me? If you think that's a bad idea, he says, are you going to counsel me? <laughs> and so God is longing. And I, and I just pray that we would have God's heart for Israel, that we would have it for the Middle East. Do you know what Jerusalem means. I, t I talked about Shalom the other week, but Jerusalem means, so you take the, you have Shalom is on the end of Jer Jerusalem, right? Salem is Shalom. The first two letters in the Hebrew, it's up there, I'm not going to go through all that. That's, that's the wording. But Jerusalem means a prince is coming to do a mighty work to crush and destroy the voice of authority that is causing chaos, confusion, and death. There's a prince coming back to Jerusalem. There's a king coming back to Jerusalem. And why is he coming? He's coming to destroy chaos, confusion, and death. What's happening in the Middle East right now? Chaos, confusion, death. A king is coming. A king is coming. So I want us to stand and, and wait, it. Tom, if you all come up. I want us to, to pray for Israel and Jerusalem. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you. Lord, thank you that you've given your church your heart for Israel. Lord, we thank you for that in your wisdom, you decided that Israel would be redeemed, that a massive harvest would be coming to your people, Lord. And Lord, as, as believers, we want to comfort, comfort your people, Lord, that carried the covenant promises in the beginning. 
Lord, without Abraham's faith, without his choice to obey, Lord, who knows what would have happened. But Lord, Abraham chose to believe you. He chose to believe you by faith and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And Lord, we want to be like Abraham. We want to believe you. We want to even lay our Isaacs on the altar, Father. Whatever we hold dear, more precious than you yourself. That's what you're coming to wipe away from the church. The things that have taken away our first love. The idols. So, Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem right now. Lord, we know, Father, that we, pr we pray that there would be a massive awakening in Jerusalem, Lord, and that, and that Messianic Jews who were once Hasidic and Orthodox and, and nominal would preach the good news from Jerusalem to the rest of the world and that there would be like a nuclear bomb in the spirit that would go over all the earth. Lord, let there be waves upon waves of salvation that come all over the nations of the earth because of what you do in Jerusalem, because of what you do in Israel, God. Jerusalem, go up high on that mountain and preach the good news to all of Judah. Lord, your word stands forever and all flesh is grass. But your word stands forever and you will do all that you please. Lord, we know that peace will only come when the King comes, when Jesus Christ comes to Jerusalem. And so, Lord, we say, the Spirit and the Bride say, come, Lord Jesus, to say that. Say, come, Lord Jesus. 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 Lord, make us ready. Make us alert. Make us virgins full of oil. Lord, let our lamps be full of oil, God. Ready for the bridegroom. Ready for the bridegroom, Lord. Make us virgin and pure of heart, God. Cleanse your church, purify our hearts. Remove every stain and wrinkle. Lord, remove the wrinkles of worry that indent in our forehead, God. Remove the worry lines off of our forehead. And Lord, even in Jude, it says, do not be stained by this world. So remove the stains of this world, God. Cleanse us as with hyssop. ready father make us ready for your son holy spirit let the spirit of friendship rest upon us 
as friends of the bridegroom, making everything ready for when Jesus returns for his bride. Let the spirit of friendship rest upon us, the spirit of abiding. Lord, your word says in Psalm 25 that those who fear the Lord, the secret counsel of God is over their tent. The intimate counsel of God is over their tent. So let the fear of the Lord increase on your people, Father, in a way that produces friendship.